that's the PowerPoint for today as we look at the message. Now, uh, I'm preaching ex from the same passage of Scripture that I was going to preach from, uh, but uh, the Lord uh, totally rearranged the direction of my message last night. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 34. Uh, Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey. Uh, they've been preaching the gospel. And when you preach the gospel, sometimes you have difficulties. When you serve the Lord, sometimes you have difficulties. We have difficulties in life. Our difficulties can sometimes be used by God in the lives of other people. And so today, we're going to talk about a man whose life was totally transformed because of the difficulty that came into the life of Paul and Silas. So, Acts chapter 16, this is right out of the New Testament, right out of the book of Acts, verse 16. It happened as we were going to the place of prayer. A slave girl having a spirit of divination met us. Now, you'll notice on the screen, this is the, the New International Version on the screen. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, and you're reading from something else. The different translations this morning are going to help us see some shades of meaning in the Word, so just follow along. <clears throat> so, her master's... Uh, she was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Uh, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out. At that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe. Being Romans, there was a little uh, political, uh, religious animosity there going on. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. That's Paul and Silas were beaten. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. 
And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and your household. And they who spoke the word to him together with all, and they spoke the word to, to the, uh, the Lord to him together with all who were in the house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized in his whole household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Now I'll read you this story because... I want to isolate one man in the story, and he's the jailer. Here is a man whose life was radically changed. He left for work one day, just another jailer. He came home, an entirely different man. So this morning I'm going to ask you to think outside the box about this story. I want you to read between the lines and think about what this man's life might have been like before. What happened in his life that changed him, the difference in his life after the change, and the question his children must have been asking that night when their dad brought home these prisoners. Obviously, a different man. And so that unwritten question is the title of my sermon today, and it's around that question that I want us to talk about this man and his life. I suggest to you that when that man came home that night to his family, his children went in and asked their mom, Mama, what made Daddy different? Now, we'll look back at this story. It's a very simple story in our Bible. We know this man as the Philippian jailer. He's the Philippian jailer because this happens in a region called Philippi. We don't know his name. All we know is the nature of his job. It was a job he took very seriously, as, as, as you can see. It was a job that put him in constant contact with the criminal element of his society. And so, like most men who work around jails, he'd probably seen and heard it all and likely had been hardened by it. And I, I want to suggest to you that if you look really close, you can see a little bit of that hardness in this story because two prisoners had just been stripped and beaten. The NIV says they were flogged, but the beating was not done with a whip, but with rods, because that's the, the meaning of the Greek word used. And they were delivered into the custody of this jailer whose mandate was to keep them securely in prison. So with all the seriousness of a man who had been used to dealing with hardened criminals, the, the Bible says that he put them in the center cell, uh, and he threw them in. That's, that's what the Bible says. He threw them in. It's a Greek word that indicates something done with a degree of violence or intensity. In other words, he wasn't very compassionate uh, for these men who were already suffering from their beating, and then he clamped their feet between two pieces of wood, increasing their discomfort. Now, I want to suggest to you that that hard and cold nature is something he probably took home with him after a long night of work. He was a hard man with a hard job who had little compassion for people, likely used to being cursed 
and spit upon and yelled at by his superiors. His wife and children probably knew not to bother daddy after he'd come home after a long night of work. I grew up in a town where everybody worked shift work. You either went to work at 7 in the morning and you worked till 3, or you went to work at 3 in the afternoon and worked till 7, or you went to work at 7 at night and worked until 11. And you knew if you were a child playing and the neighbor's dad worked at night, you knew not to make noise at his house or that man would come out of the house and give you what for. You did not wake him up in the daytime. And most of those people had little signs on their doors that said day sleeper. That town, it was shift work. People that work at night have difficult jobs. If you are one of those, you understand what it's like to try to rest in the day and how it infects your whole life and you're not quite the nice, ungrumpy person. I've worked at night. I know what it's like. And so this was probably not just another night at work, but the worst night of his life. And so here's a man under a tremendous amount of pressure. He's personally responsible for delivering the prisoners under his charge to the appropriate authorities. Uh, you know, I watch, uh, I don't have cable, so every night, this is the truth, every night from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, I watch Hogan's Heroes. That's an old show I watched when I was a kid, and it's about uh, a German prison camp, Stalock 13, from which there had never been an escape. Some of you will remember that, but somebody was always escaping from Stalock 13. Well, no one escaped from this man's prison. No one had ever escaped from this man's prison, alive at least, uh, because to, to, if someone had escaped, he would have had to forfeit his own life. So I believe we can say he was a hard man. And so with this little bit of background speculation, I think it's safe to say that his children raised this question that night when their hard-hearted daddy brought home this group of prisoners and was seen washing their wounds. Was this the same man that went to work that evening? The children in that home might have asked this question. What made daddy different? And what did change this man? Well, the answer is in the story. We don't have to speculate about that. And I see three key events that work together to bring about the change in this jailer. And they can also work in your life to bring about change in your life. And the first thing that happened in his life is he encountered difficulty. This was not just one of those bad nights at work. As I've already said, this was the worst night of his life. Like most men, his life was wrapped up in his work. His work was his life, and without his work, he was worthless to himself and to his family. For him to lose his job would have been the end of the world, and his world was about to end on that dark night in Philippi. Men, if you haven't noticed, you have one at your house, men like to be in control. We like to be in control of our lives and we like to be in control of our world. And when something happens that brings us to a point of helplessness, when things happen that are beyond our control, it brings us to a tremendous crisis. Now that jailer could close prison doors and keep men secure in chains and in stocks. He could handle the roughest prisoner. But this earthquake that happened that shook that prison and knocked down all the doors and released all the prisoners was something out of his control. Suddenly, 
he found not only he was about to lose a prisoner, he was losing his prison and all the prisoners with it. Now it happened all at once for him. It was one of those, boom, I've got a crisis in my life. But for other men, it takes months or years to hit bottom. Sometimes it happens a little bit at a time. Little by little, the business goes under. The economy takes a turn for the worst. I was here back in the 80s in George County when the farmers were going under because the interest rate was so high. They were sinking a little bit more every day. Some of you might have been in that situation. And so the next thing you know, you're bankrupt. You're helpless. You're hopeless. No way to take care of your family. Your job is gone. So this man... The first thing that happened in his life is he encountered difficulty. That's number one. It was a crisis beyond his control. But compounding that outward difficulty is something that was going on, side, going on inside that man as a result of that crisis. And this is number two. He expected to die. Now the prison was history. He assumed the prisoners was gone. So he drew his sword to take his own life. He knew his life was over. The authorities would probably execute him for the failure uh, and so, instead of allowing them to do it, he was just going to do the job himself. He took his sword was going to kill himself. Men have such a sense of responsibility that if they see themselves as a failure, sometimes they had rather die than face it. Men at their wit's end have been known to say, my family is better off without me. I am worth more to them dead than I am alive. Those are the words of a man on bottom. The words of a man without hope. The words of a man out of touch with God. So here was this hard man ready to take his own life. He was ready to end it. He encountered difficulty and he fully expected to die, and all of this happened within a matter of hours. So between the time he had gone to work and the time that he came home with these prisoners, this man had been through a tremendous ordeal that left him transformed. So I suggest to you that on that night when his children saw him washing the wounds of Paul and Silas and sitting down and offering them food at his table, he, he, those children said to their mama, Mama, what made Daddy different? What made that man different? What caused him that night to go home a different man, a changed man? Well, first, he encountered difficulty. Second, he expected to die. But third, in this story, we know what happened. He experienced God. Now, these two prisoners were unlike any prisoners he'd ever seen. We don't know what they said to him. Uh, when he was throwing them into their cell. We don't know what they said or how they responded when he locked their feet in the stocks, but we, did, we do know what they did that night in prison. They were singing and praying to God. These men also encountered difficulty. These men also expected to die, but they were handling things so differently. The rest of the prisoners were listening, and that night, I know the Bible says, the jailer had gone to sleep, but before he drifted off to sleep, he'd likely been listening too. These men had something he wanted and something he needed. And in the midst of that crisis, in the very moment he was ready to give up 
and die. They were telling him, they said, look, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. Everything's okay. Now, there's no way we can know everything that was going on in this man's mind and heart, but we can be sure that he was profoundly impacted by these men who had something he didn't. He recognized that. wonder if you've noticed in anybody else's life, they got something I don't have. They've got a peace I don't have. They've got a confidence I don't have. They've got an assurance I don't have. They've got a hope that I don't have. And so trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a pretty profound question. As a matter of fact, it's the most important question in the world. It was a very personal question for that man. It wasn't a general question about what other people might need to do. It was something he sensed very deeply in his own life. He said, what must I do for me? A man like me. A man as wicked as me. A man as broken as me. A man in a situation like I'm in. A man who's ready to die and give up. What must I do to be saved? If it's the most important question in the world, then it needs a pretty direct answer. You don't need to beat around the bush with somebody. They need to know exactly what it is they need to do to be saved. So there's no question about it. And without blinking an eye, Paul and Silas said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. If you want to be different, if you want to be changed like we've been changed, if you want the peace that enables you to pray when you encounter difficulty, and enables you to sing praises even if you expect to die, believe in the Lord Jesus. If you want to be a different dad, if you want to be a different husband, if you want your home to be different, believe in Jesus. And so something incredible happened that night. He took those men home and he washed their wounds. And somewhere in the course of the events that night, I think the children in the home must have said, Mama, what happened to Daddy? What made Daddy different? And what made Daddy different? The same thing that will make you different. Daddy experienced God. He met the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, it had a profound impact on his family. The Bible says Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. Verse 33, At that hour of the night the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. <clears throat> the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. <clears throat> and he was filled with joy. He was filled with joy. Because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is there a home here this morning that needs to be changed? Is there a home here this morning 
where daddy needs to give his heart to Jesus. Maybe in this story, you see yourself. Maybe you are on bottom. Maybe you are at wit's end, just about ready to give up and die. But today, you hear the Lord Jesus speaking to your heart. Look at what happened to that man. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Wouldn't it be a blessing to know that when you put your children in bed tonight, They'll look at mom and say, Mama, what made daddy different? What changed daddy's heart? Why isn't daddy the grouchy man that he was yesterday? Why isn't daddy the hard man that he used to be? Mama, what made daddy different? And wouldn't it be a blessing to hear mama say, Children, your daddy has believed in the Lord Jesus and now there's joy in his life and joy in our home. Let's pray together. Lord, we look at this old story from Scripture today and we walk through it and we walk in the shoes of that man, especially those of us who are men. We know what it's like to be in those kind of circumstances, some more than others. And there may be a man here, Lord, today whose heart needs to be changed. And they have a very strong sense, Lord, that you want to do that in their life today. And I pray, God, with all the desperation that this man had in Scripture, that some man here this morning would say, What? can I do to be saved? What can I do to be different? What can I do for my home, my heart, my life, my family to be different? Lord, we give this time to you and we ask you to speak. In Jesus' name.